Hey, good morning. My name's Tony. Uh, if you're new here, I am the lead pastor, and uh, today is your lucky day. Uh, we are going to start a brand new series, a four-week series uh, called Messy. Uh, loving others isn't easy. Amen? And uh, amen? Yeah, there you go. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about that in the next couple of weeks, three or four weeks. And uh, I wanted to mention that the McDaniels, Bethany had her baby. Awesome. Yeah. Don't have any details for you, but we'll get those or just go to Facebook because it's all over Facebook, right? And uh, if you don't have Facebook, Grandma and Grandpa are here somewhere. You can ask them. But uh, two Bethany's had babies, and so that's exciting, right? Amen. All right. We love babies. Um, Well, I don't so much anymore. My kids are getting grown up, but... uh, Yeah, no, I love babies. I really do. Uh, Let me start this morning by um, simply saying this, that loving others isn't easy. And I said that. It's it's just not easy. Uh, We all have people, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how far along in your spiritual journey you are or how mature you are, there will always be someone in your life that is not easy to love. Sometimes it's even downright messy to love them. You have to turn your life upside down. You have to do things and be active in a way uh, to show your love because love is action, and so it can get messy. It requires us to be selfless, and that's not always easy. It requires intentionality. You can't just wake up one day and just accidentally love someone. It really requires all of your energy, all of your heart, all of your mind, soul, and strength to love them, to get involved, to take action, and to be intentional about that. We all have people in our lives or in our view that we find hard to love. Maybe it's someone close to you. Maybe it's a mom or a dad someone who's hurt you. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker, somebody very close to you in your life that is difficult to love. And I don't even need to say who that is because those people are already popping into your mind. You already see their faces. You've already re-ran, rewound and re-ran the videotape in your mind of the last moment you had with them when you knew, boy, it's just hard to love you. Maybe it's someone who's hurt you. Maybe they stole from you or they lied to you or maybe they slandered you or abused you or maybe they cheated you in some way and you find it difficult to love them. In the Old Testament and all the way through the New Testament, God gives us this command, church. He gives us this command, child of God, to love your neighbor as yourself. To love someone as myself is a tough thing to do. It may even seem impossible. I might possibly love a family member as myself, but maybe not someone who doesn't deserve it, right? They've wounded you, they've hurt you, maybe they've done something in life that you are totally against, someone that makes it difficult to love. 
recently in the uh, news, and maybe you've seen it, this story that happened, this terrible tragedy of this woman police officer who came home and went into the wrong apartment and found a black man in her apartment, and she freaked out and shot him dead only to realize she was in his apartment. And he was a good man getting ready to start a new job, and maybe you've seen this. Well, recently the trial happened, and this woman... This woman police officer, her name is Amber Geiger. She killed a man named Botham Jean. And here is a video of Botham Jean's brother at the trial on the stand giving a testimony about this woman police officer who killed her brother. Watch. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And... I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. How do you do that? 
here's a woman that just killed your brother. And I love what he said. I do not wish anything bad for you. I don't even want you to go to jail. He showed us his heart. Perhaps you're here today and you've been hurt by someone. Not this bad. Maybe someone hasn't taken a loved one from you. But can you honestly say that you want the best for the person that has hurt you? And you've lived with those wounds for years. Now the tension for us in this, and this is what I want to talk to you about today, because when God says, love your neighbor as yourself, there are two things that are fighting against each other in our hearts and in our minds. And the first one is this. The first one is justice. We demand it. We desire it. It's right. She took a life. Someone hurt you. Someone wounded you. Someone did something terrible to you. They've lied to you. They've cheated on you. They've broken your life up into many pieces. And justice must happen, right? Everything in us, we want to see what is right. And justice simply means to make what is wrong right. And so we have this in our heart, this idea of justice. And we think to ourselves, God's a just God, right? But then there's something else that fights the justice part, and we learn this in Scripture, mercy. And these two things fight against each other in our hearts. We desire justice, and God says, also have mercy. Mercy means to not get what you deserve. What does this woman deserve? What do the people who've hurt you, who've wounded you, what does justice look like? What does mercy look like for you? And that is where the tension is. And if we're all honest with ourselves, and if we'd all just for a moment step back and take a look at our own hearts and our own minds, when it comes to sin, We all want mercy for ourselves. But when it comes to sin in others, we want justice. Somebody turn turn the lights up for me. promise I won't put it on Facebook. (laughs) Got to know how to work it. I don't know what it's doing. You're going to have to turn the lights up more for me. There you go. Come here, Eric. Now, I'm going to blow this up, and I want you to look at this picture for me. Okay? Okay. Now, tell me, and be honest. Who was the first person in the picture you looked for? Don't laugh. You would too. 
Every one of us would do that. The very first time you look at a picture that you know you're in, your eyes immediately look for yourself. Don't they? Go sit down. Because you are selfish, man. (laughs) Self-centered man. I'm just kidding with you. I know Eric. He's got a big heart. Loves people. Internally, we're all prone to think of ourselves. And when people hurt us and when people wound us, to love them as ourself is a very big jump. It's a very impossible thing for us because we tend are prone and tend to think of ourselves first. And almost every situation, especially when it hurts the most, we go on the defense. Loving others as ourselves is messy but it's necessary in God's kingdom. God's kingdom thrives and works and moves on the love that we have for one another. So we're going to go all the way back to the book of Leviticus. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up. You can follow along with us. Leviticus chapter 19. I'll have it up on the screen for you. And I want to start reading with this first part of verse 17. It says this. So basically, the the Levitical law, God is establishing societal ways of life, laws. And, And all of these laws can all come down to the Ten Commandments, right? And all of these were social laws. They were political laws. This is how God wanted His people to behave this is how, God's peop- how God wanted his people to treat one another. And you can take all of the law into two commands, as we find later in the New Testament. Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And these two are the same. You can't separate them. You can't love God and hate your neighbor, right? It just doesn't work that way. And so God, in his wisdom, began to give them these laws and ways to live because God knew if you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll fulfill the law. You'll fulfill it. You'll you'll keep it. But they couldn't because we find out later in Jesus' day that they loved God religiously, but they hated their brother. And Jesus comes along and says, no, it doesn't work that way. And we'll learn more about that. But look, look what it says. After this long list of, you know, do not steal, do not cheat, do not lie, all these different rules. Verse 17 says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. In your heart is the key. They forgot this by the time Jesus came along. Jesus, on one occasion, raised the bar of the law when it says to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus raised the bar because they would say, well, I don't steal and I don't cheat and I treat all my neighbors right. And then Jesus says, yeah, but listen, the law says do not commit murder. Yep, never committed murder. I've never murdered anyone, never even killed an ant. And then Jesus says, but I tell you, In your heart, if you've hated your brother or sister, you've committed murder. 
Jesus just raises the bar on this love one another. Do not commit murder. Do not hate. And Jesus says, if you hate them in your heart, you've broken the law. You might as well murder them in God's eyes. To hate someone in your heart, now listen, is to seek justice without mercy. To demand truth without grace. The Bible tells us that Jesus came full of truth, and we like that, but he also came full of grace. And there's this tension between the truth and the grace, the justice and the mercy. But when all we want is truth and justice, we miss the heart of who God is. To demand this truth, to desire in our heart that the other person get what they deserve. We begin to enter into this dangerous area of not loving them as ourself. Because the truth is, none of us would want that for ourselves. This is not living toward others as yourself. The second part of this verse, the Old Testament writer says, Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Ah, here we go now. When people hurt us, when people wound us, we pull this one out. I can rebuke them. You're rebuked, right? I can point my finger and pass judgment and justice is what I really desire. And the rebuke seems to be the part of justice until you really look at the word in the Hebrew. This Hebrew word for rebuke is not a passing of judgment, but it simply means to instruct toward correction. Simply to As a child, you would rebuke a child, not because you hate them or want something bad to happen to them or desire them to fall off the face of the earth or whatever, or to just go away and never come back. Well, sometimes you might think that about your kids, but don't don't ever tell anybody that, okay? But it's not that. It's a rebuke that leads to instruction that corrects them. Why in the world would you want to correct them? Because you love them. You want the best for them. You want them to grow up and mature and to do what is right and what is wrong. The Hebrew writer is saying this rebuke comes from a place in our hearts where our desire is not simply just justice, but also to correct the person and to love the person. We don't just desire justice and punishment, but a change in the person and in their behavior. And when you can honestly, with love and mercy in your heart, go to someone who's hurt you and simply be truthful with them, what you did was wrong and it was hurtful, then we are on the verge of a breakthrough in our relationships. To share in their guilt simply means when we desire harm to come to the other person, who has hurt us or sinned against us, 
even if it's justified, we are just as guilty as the person who harmed us. Think about that. When I don't rebuke my neighbor in love, when I don't instruct and correct, I run the risk of holding on to bitterness and anger and resentment and desiring justice, and in that I then become guilty as they are. Verse 18, he goes on. This is where you see the context of this word rebuke. He follows up with this verse. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, he says. I am the Lord. Here is where we find it necessary in our relationships, to find a balance between the justice and the mercy. Here is where in our heart of hearts we decide, I'm not going to seek retribution. I'm not going to seek revenge or hold a grudge. I'm going to seek them out to correct the situation in love and mercy. I want justice, but I also want mercy. Justice plus mercy, and we've got that up there for you, Justice plus mercy. Now, are you ready? You're going to want to write this down. Equals, how many math people we got here? Come on, I know some of you are math people. Come on, engineers, where are you at? I got engineers in here. They're all geeky math people, right? Or just math people. I shouldn't say geeky, but justice plus mercy equals, are you ready? Forgiveness. When justice and mercy come together in your relationships, there you will find forgiveness. There in your heart, you will be able to move past what people have done to wrong you and to forgive them even if, even if they don't reciprocate the feeling. This is what we find at the scene of the cross. That day that Jesus, the Son of God, who went to that cross and was crucified in agony, he was tortured and he was scorned and beat and he bled to death. That day that the justice of God was served on his body for our sin. We say that the cross is the perfect scene where God's perfect justice and God's perfect mercy met. Because Jesus went and took that justice, that wrath of God upon sin, upon his own body, so that mercy might be poured out on you and on me. Forgiveness happened at the cross. God in the flesh died. One man died so that all might be forgiven and live. As the song says, the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason that I'm alive. It is where that perfect justice and mercy met, meaning forgiveness that is poured out to all of us. And Jesus, 
is our example. Jesus is our teacher, our Lord, our master. He loved his neighbors as himself. And he calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So how do I know that I need to forgive someone? Well, there's a few clues, very practical clues that might help you. And if you're serious about this, you'll do these things so that there's no unforgiveness in your life. You know, as a pastor, one of the greatest things that when people come to me with problems and they have challenges in life and there's so much, I find so much of people's problems are tied to unforgiveness. Something in their past that they just can't forgive. And we know from Scripture, it says, if you go to pray to God and there's something in your life against somebody else, the Bible, Jesus actually says, don't even finish your prayer. Get up and go make things right and then come back and then God will forgive you. It's almost as though Jesus is saying, you cannot be forgiven. You cannot experience the forgiveness of God if you do not forgive others. God withholds it when there's unforgiveness in our life. The first thing that you can do to, to see if you have anyone in your life you need to forgive is that is there anyone in your life where the first thought about them is to cause injury or harm to them? And I don't mean necessarily physical violence. I don't mean that. I mean, you just kind of wish that maybe they'd lose their job. Or maybe their car will break down. Or you hear that their car breaks down and you're happy about it. Serves them right. You know what they did to me last year? That was my job. I should have got that job. Or maybe you hope that they fail. When the hurt that someone causes us is there, usually it's the first thought we have of that person when I think of them. Because we have to give up the right to be right to forgive. Second thing that you can do is, would you help them? When you think of this person that is, you're thinking, maybe I'm withholding forgiveness. Would you help them if you knew they were in trouble and you had the ability to help them? Most likely, this is someone that you once cared about. Now, this is very important, and I want you to hear this. I am not suggesting that you subject yourself to um, any abuse or any kind of situation where there's danger or any kind of, you're not obligated to help them, and maybe you shouldn't, but in your heart, would you help them? Can you think, number three, can you think positive thoughts about the person? Like I said, likely it's somebody that you know. Is there anything good you can say about them? When you hear someone saying bad things about them, do you jump in or do you correct the situation? If not, maybe you need to forgive something. Number four, do you still think of getting even with the person? Well, Tony, you don't understand. My husband hits me. 
Should I forgive him and stick it out? You may need to see. Let me just say this about that. Yes, you need to forgive them and you need to get out. You need to move on. You need to protect yourself. When God says love your neighbor as yourself, that does not mean we put ourselves in situations where it's unloving toward us. We don't keep putting ourselves in those situations that tear us down or harm us physically or emotionally or spiritually. But somehow we have to begin the process of working through that and forgiving and moving on. You may need to see this through so that you can protect others and yourself. But does your heart want to hurt them? That's the part that begins to grow into bitterness. And it stunts you and hurts you worse than anything. Have you stopped? Number five, have you stopped, look, have you stopped looking for them to fail? I mentioned earlier, you know, you hope maybe they lose their job or their car breaks down. Or, you know, maybe they, they're in front of you at the checkout and they run out of money. And you're like, well, too bad. You know, do you, would you help them? Forgiveness means that you've stopped keeping records of wrong. So how do I come to a place of forgiveness in my life? How do I put this into practice? How do I actually do this? Because this is messy, and this is hard, and this is difficult to forgive someone. But to love them as ourselves means that you are going to have to forgive the first thing you can do is try to look beyond the sin and try to ask yourself why. Why did they do this to you? Why are they doing this to you? This is not an excuse for them. Listen, we don't play the victim. We don't continue to be a victim to people's insults and abuse and harm. We don't continue to put ourselves... We don't make excuses... But sometimes in our heart, we need to see and understand what the possible motives might be. One thing I have found in my life is that when people hurt other people, it's typically because they are a hurt person themselves. They're wounded. Hurt people hurt people. And sometimes it helps me to move on and forgive if I kind of try to understand why they might be hurting me. The second thing you can do is recognize what unforgiveness does. It locks you in a cage. Someone once said that bitterness is like swallowing rat poison, hoping that it kills the person you're angry at. Bitterness hurts nobody but you. Number three, write out your forgiveness in a journal, in a notebook, Has anyone here ever written a letter that they never sent? (laughs) Yeah, I got one with everybody's name on it. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Has anyone sat down and wrote what you really feel and just didn't quite have the nerve to give it to someone, but you kept it? Sometimes it helps to rebuke in love and patience and gentleness First, in a journal. And to pour your heart out and what this person has done to you. 
It helps you. And then to write, I forgive you. Sometimes it's, I don't know why you did this. Maybe you're hurting yourself. But it hurt me, and I forgive you. Rebuke them with instruction. Forgive them in your heart. Write an email or a letter, but don't send it. Please don't ever do this to someone. Don't ever send a, you know, it's like getting a breakup text, right? The kids are always like, they broke up with me through a text. Not my kids, I guess. I don't know, but maybe you know what I'm talking about. Number four, and this is the big step. If you can, and if it's safe, and it's someone that you feel like you can do this with, ask for a sit down with the person. Don't talk to your friends about it. Don't talk to other people about it. It's between you and them. Ask for a sit down. Tell them how they did what they did to hurt you. Rebuking them. Then forgive them with no strings attached. Now here's the messy part. Are you ready? They may laugh at you. They may ignore you. They may reject you. But you've done what you need to do. Number five, every time those old memories and feelings come up, forgive them again and again and again and again. Remind yourself, I forgave them. I forgave them. I'm not, this isn't an issue for me anymore. I forgave them. How many times do you need to do that? Jesus said 70 times 7, which in their culture was like this unimaginable number perfect number you have to continually come back to forgiveness jesus is our example jesus on the cross is where justice and mercy met and forgiveness happened and he asks us his followers to fulfill this law in Him, to ask and invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts, to sanctify our hearts toward love. You say, what do you mean sanctify our hearts? You know that selfishness and that, that bend to always go and look to ourselves, to care only about ourselves, to look first to myself and to guard myself. When the Spirit of God comes in and He cleanses that selfishness in our heart, we now, instead of being bent toward self, we now begin to bend toward others and put them first, even when they hurt us and even when they wound us. I mean, who can imagine Jesus hanging on the cross, looking down at the men who did this to Him and saying, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Let's stand and pray this morning. Here's how I'm going to do this. I've got a prayer for all of us as we begin this series. And I would like everyone to just repeat after me. Everyone, just pray this prayer. Invite the Spirit into your heart today. Father, Just repeat after me, Father, your love and mercy are amazing. If I received what I deserve, 
I would not be here. You have called me to love as you love. That's hard. My heart is selfish. I desire justice. I want vindication. But I also want mercy. Sanctify my heart to love my neighbor as myself. Holy Spirit, pour your love into me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go and love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, We're going to give. This is a moment now. We're going to close down our service and have a, a moment of